0: Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. How you doing? Good. Good to see you. If you are new to Crossroads, thanks for being here. I've met some new people this morning. Thanks for being here. Let us know how we can help get you settled into town. Um, those of you who have just moved here and other things and... Um, Boy, we we got a lot going on, and it would like to get you connected in different groups and, and different things as well. Ignite, by the way, is our single, that she mentioned, is our single adult ministry. And you can see, I see Cameron over here, and uh, uh, I see Andrew, several others here, so connect on that. All right, how's your joy doing? How's the joy? You know, it's interesting, when we move into... The holiday season of Thanksgiving and Christmas and that is to be the time of joy. But oftentimes it's the season of busyness, isn't it? And frantic and hectic and everything else. And also big struggles for a lot of people. Uh, this is the time for us to press in right with each other. And let me go a little deeper. How's your faith? How's your faith doing? Um, and the question there is that's a, that should be a... a, a, a Regular discussion we have with one another. How's our faith? And do we even know how to process that question? And this morning we're going to try to go after that and dive a little deep. I'm going to need you with me this morning because we've been going through First um, John. And um, uh, if you're just joining with us, uh, we're in John, First uh, John, which is very into the Bible almost. And we'll be in chapter 2. Uh, This morning, starting in verse um, 18, and I want to look at this issue of, uh, do we have the slides this morning? No slides. Okay, well now we're going to get real exciting. Um, So, uh, all right, well, good. Maybe that's just what the Lord wants to, we'll go a little spunk, more than I normally do. Um, So, the thing I want to drill into is, this morning, how do we remain in Jesus, Folks, we're in the midst of a time of falling away. Uh, Throughout history, there's different times, ebbs and flows where there's attack. um, And uh, just different seasons. Um, Obviously, when John is writing this to the church, as we're going to see, there was great temptation because of the pressure of Rome. And the pressure was on the church and on culture and the value, biblical values and everything else. And uh, many people because of that were falling away from the faith. Um, I personally engage in people more than any other time in my life uh, is that happening today. Now, I don't mean to put that as a bummer, but we have to be realistic about what is going on in our culture today and to be aware as a church and a people to what that means that the temptation and the battle against those who follow Jesus today is probably greater than um, it's been in any of our lifetimes. And uh, this, is some, this is not new. This is something if we go back to uh, jesus' teaching in matthew twenty four Jesus said it real clear, as the end comes, and there are as many as we 're going to see, John thought the end was in his time, and we 'll historically uh, take a look at that in a minute, but that people um, uh, when as the end came, there was pressure upon uh, the church, pressure upon those who believed in jesus and um, Many fell away. And Jesus said that as the end comes, many will fall away. There'll be false prophets, false Christs, antichrists, um, all kinds of deceiving teachings. Timothy talks about that people will leave the Bible and they will look for teachers who want to tickle their ears that, you know, to give them a teaching that is more culturally relevant that makes them feel better, right? They're led by their emotions rather than the Spirit of God. Again, this is nothing new under the sun. All of it's happening today, Right at, at a, an increased rate and I think for the church many in, in today in America is that we, uh, if we've been believers and grown up in the generations and some of the older generations even looking like wait a minute, what's happened? It used to be that our nation embraced a lot of this stuff and actually affirmed it where now we see the world is taking over right and more and more the world is is pushing back right on Christian values, the Bible and everything else causing greater temptation, causing this falling away this struggle with faith does that make sense especially among our young people they're the ones who get the brunt of it and now we add into it to technology and everything else and so John is writing this uh, to the church to encourage them to exhort them remain abide in him and there's one I talk this morning about how do we do that what are some of the key things that we can um Uh, Hold on to, so we don't have any slides this morning. So I have three questions uh, for us. And oftentimes, folks, I think in this as we grow and we evaluate our faith and we grow in the the faith and encourage one another, um, oftentimes questions are more important than even a propositional statement of truth. You understand what I'm saying? Just look at how Jesus taught, right? Oftentimes, to awaken the souls, those who are hungry. In other words, he only gave his deeper teaching to those who made the step in, who were willing to answer and wrestle with the question of what's going on inside their soul, inside their spirit. And so, a couple questions this morning. First one is this, and uh, again, these verses we're looking at in 1 John, um, we want to just kind of overarching look at this idea of how do we remain in Jesus? And the word that John uses more than any other is this word abide. Abide in him, children. Continue to abide. And that word, we're going to break it down. It's a deep word filled with all kinds of stuff. But at its base, it means it's an encouragement to remain in him. Because there's a battle going on. And there are those who are pulled away, those who are tempted, right, to leave the faith, to move away from, from Christ and, and to cave into those temptations as such. And so abide in Him. So here's questions. First one is this. Folks, are we abiding in Him, in Jesus, or are we just acknowledging His name? Are we abiding truly? Have we learned how to abide in Christ? Or are we just acknowledging his name? And folks, there's a radical difference between those two. And I think as we engage one another, the question is, you know, in our groups and everything. And let me just step back and we'll see here again John's strong admonition you can't continue to remain or abide if there isn't fellowship happening. It's critical, right? Little children, he says, continue the fellowship, right, with one and continue to encourage one another. And so that first question is, do we abide, um, are we abiding in Him? Do we know what that is to abide in Jesus versus just acknowledging His name? And um, the next one, and this goes a little deeper, and I'm going to throw some things out, and folks, I hope that you will wrestle with these together. Um, and tagging some of this stuff, there's, there's some, some deep, really theological, spiritual formation stuff in these verses we're going to look at. This is the other one, is are we... And have we learned to be taught by Jesus versus just other teachers and preachers? Have you learned to truly be taught by the Holy Spirit that God, I got a little ring going here. Um, or is it just, am I listening to podcasts, reading a book, just taking for whatever the preacher says for, for truth versus. Have I taken the truth, what was taught, and everything, and am I letting the Spirit of God teach me? And folks, this is deep water. And to abide in Him, I have to know that I'm taught of Him and that I'm listening to His voice. The third question to throw out that we're going to get into some language, Paul, or John uses this language to practice righteousness. Wow, what does that mean? And folks, this is the question. Are we learning to practice righteousness or just trying to do good? Have I learned to practice righteousness as Jesus walked in righteousness? Or am I just trying to do good? All three of these folks are dependent on abiding with Jesus and learning the Spirit-led life. Because it's possible... Just with our own mind, emotion, and will to just have biblical knowledge and think that we're doing good and just go through the motions of the faith without actually being informed by the Holy Spirit in what we do. And I want to break that down for us um, this morning, but let me uh, dive into... uh the Word of God this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you don't have one, you want to follow along, there's one in uh, the seat back underneath. Uh, We don't have slides, so we don't have that up here um, this morning. So we're in chapter 2 of 1 John. Remember John, this is the Apostle John, he wrote the Gospel of John, and uh, he's writing this letter to a group of churches in modern day Asia that were under... um, this was the height of a lot of the persecution uh, coming from Rome. And we'll, uh, you'll see real quickly, um, we'll dive into the history of that just in a second here. Verse 18. John the Apostle to the church and to us today, the Word of God. Children, it is the last hour. And as you've heard that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would, not have, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might be complained that, that they are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? That is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you've heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. Abide in Him, so that when He appears, we may not ha- we may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him. The Word of God. Wow! There's a lot of stuff in there, huh? A lot of deep water, and so I'm going to do my best here to... Uh, to uh, dive us into this, to get the Spirit of God to give us some insight and some great encouragement this morning in this battle of faith and this understanding what faith is, what does it mean to abide in this incredible invitation, right, of God to, uh, to come and abide with Him and to journey with Him alright let's dive in what does John say so he's writing this right this is the first century late the first century and he's saying little children it is the last hour and um, the Antichrist is here and there's many Antichrists what's he referring to there and many say, well, gosh, John thought it was the last hour back then. Yes, he did. And throughout history, we see, right, there are these pictures of what we know Jesus in Matthew 24 said clearly is going to come. That when the Antichrist comes, and there's many Antichrists, and John defines, we'll get to that, what an Antichrist is. But yes, there is this figure for John, and for that early church, and for all the apostles that lived there. They, they clearly saw the emperor of Rome as the antichrist. Because he was the world leader who controlled everything. He epitomized the world and all the world system and he was crushing right the church. And putting them under persecution. And the many antichrists. Are the ones who went out from the church. There were false teachers. As John says. The ones who were trying to deceive. Right. And tear down. And pull believers. Into the ways of the world. Into the thinking of the culture. Into the thinking of all the things uh, around the world. And, and uh, I might just make a note in 1 John. You go to chapter 5 verse 19. John says. We know that we are from God. And the whole world lies in the power of Of the evil one. And folks, this is biblical theology 101. The world, its systems of government and power are under the power of the evil one. Under the power of the devil. I'm going to say this as clear as I can. No effort will ever change that. Until Jesus returns. It's time for us to understand that. We do the best we can to be active, to push back. Jesus never calls his church or his people to change the culture directly. That should be an overflow of holy living. The world, folks, is under the power of the devil. And as John defines, right, the desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, the pride of life that man can do without God. That will always be here until Jesus returns to judge it and make all things new again. And what we're in right now is a season where the church in America is wrestling. Like, wait a minute. And John in chapter 3 tells the church, Church, don't be surprised that the world hates you. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. Why are you so shocked that the, the world is... Why are you so shocked, Christian Americans, that America is pushing hard against every primary principle of the Bible today? Why does that shock you? It's nothing new to the sun. It's exactly what God said would happen. Exactly what Jesus said would happen. Don't be shocked by that. The world is under the power of the evil one who's fighting against everything that the Bible stands for. Now that's biblical theology 101, but that's something that's misunderstood today, is it not? Because we've kind of lulled, we're coming out of this Christian culture in America into Rao, seeing the world for everything it's it has and yes don't get me wrong we need, to, we need to be involved for the glory of God absolutely but our primary hold right, is to encourage each other with the word of God that we don't fall away and go the way of the world that we encourage and uphold this abiding in Him He's the one that's going to come and make all things new again and His beginning the primary aspect of the church folks our mission is to change hearts not us but through the Holy Spirit to bring the love of God into people's lives that have, are being fractured by a world that is rejecting God's ways, right? And experiencing the consequence of that. And to, uh, oh, maybe we do have some. Awesome. And um, so, uh, you know, John is just, you know, giving them this. Is, he, they thought it was the last day, Jesus, and he's pulling that from Jesus' message in Matthew 24. Jesus said it real clear in the end, there'll be anti and the the mayonnaise to Christ at the very end. And it's in Jesus, Jesus said many will fall away in the midst of that temptation. And it's important this abiding in him to encourage and keep each other strong. Now, I want to drill into this um, this morning. There are the three questions. And uh, again, let me just go over these. Uh, have you learned to be taught by the Lord or just by other teachers? And folks, I just want to say this loud and clear. And we're going to get into this, uh, pull it from the text here. But if I'm just listening to a podcast, if I'm just taking what the preacher says or the book says, and that's what I'm living of truth, guess what the Spirit of God has I haven't learned how to let the Spirit of God inform me and, and have fellowship in the Spirit. Critical issue. That primarily happens in the midst of discipleship. To walk with somebody who knows how to be taught of the Lord. Take the Word of God with the Spirit of God, Word and Spirit together, right? And have the life of God come alive inside our soul. It's very easy, as I said before, especially preachers, seminarians, to pack our brains full of biblical knowledge and not be taught of the Lord. Right? I can still do it under my own flesh and my own knowledge. And these are the people that John is primarily talking about who went out from us. And they actually um, started teaching false things and luring people away to that. Um, I, I, I just to uh, paint the picture. I have a friend I did ministry with years ago. And uh, he, uh, he had quite a big platform. Not only has he left the faith, and everybody thought this guy was a deep theologian, an amazing musician, everything else. And today, not only has he left the faith, but he is influencing young people to check everything and go the way of the world. That's the the scene we're in now. And that's what was going on in, in John's time. That he's warning, that he's exhorting the church. Abide in him. Learn to abide in Jesus. Have you learned to abide in Jesus and not just acknowledge his name? Do you know what it is to truly learn to abide in Him? We want to talk about that this morning. And are we practicing righteousness? Or just trying to do good? There's a radical difference there, folks. He's called us to this abundant living, this abundant life, that Jesus says, my yoke is easy. It's learning to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit and let God lead us with His Word and the Spirit of God. Rather than just this, I've got to do something good, right? That down deep inside really is just about me making me feel good, right? And that's religion, right? Religion just keeps us listening to teachers, dependent on teachers. I'm going to talk about that. Religion just keeps me, I'll acknowledge Jesus, oh yeah, but I don't really have fellowship with him. He's not really informing me, there's no abiding sense, right? Um, there's the, what we just read. What is the anointing? All right, here we go. What is the anointing? Folks, John is unique in using this. And I want to encourage you greatly this morning. And this is something we should be doing for each other more and more, right? If you know Jesus, you have the anointing. The greatest anointing that has ever been imagined in all the world. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the power of God has been set inside your soul. To have fellowship with your spirit, to bring your spirit alive, right? To have fellowship there and is there to inform your mind, your emotion, and your will. That's the spirit's life. That's the new life. That's the abundant life. That's the new creation. That's being born again. That's having your spirit that is dead. We're all born with a dead spirit. The spirit is the part of us that communes with God supernaturally. And it is dead to God when we're born into this. It needs to be brought alive. We need a new birth. We need, and this is where the Holy Spirit at salvation comes in and awakens my spirit again to have fellowship as a child, to be born again and have fellowship with the living God. That's the anointing he's talking about. And he's trying to remind them is when in all the battle for your faith, when all the influence out there with all the other teachings, the teaching that's going wayward. Um, I just heard of another Christian uh, college that just caved on the whole biblical principles uh, just this last week. Folks, we're in the middle of it. And the question is, are we going to stand? Are we going to abide in him? Right? And, and what does John say here to the church? He says, hold on to what you heard from the beginning. What does he mean by that? He means the word of God. From the beginning, what they heard from the beginning was the letter, the, the, the gospels read in the church, the scriptures read around the church, the truth of God, the word of God. It, doesn't, it is as relevant today as it was 2,000, 5,000 years ago. It's the word of God. It does not need a cultural softening. That's where we get into trouble. That's where the false teacher comes in. It needs to be upheld by the Spirit of God, not by man's wisdom, but by God and, and, and abide in that. Hold on to that, what you heard from the beginning, because the battle, folks, right, is what? Is to come into question that. In light of what's going around the world, oh man, we've, we've, uh, we've grown in our uh, understanding and, and science and everything else. I guess I need to um, reevaluate, right? Culture's changed. Relationships have changed. I, I need to bring that into the Word of God. That is a falling away. That is moving away from what we heard in the beginning and it is a quenching of the Spirit of God. And that's why John is like, come on church, hold on. Hold on to the word of God. It is timeless, it's living, it's active, it's sharp than a two-edged sword, right? On and on. Nothing new under the sun. The same thing that the church was struggling with, like, well, let's see, you know, because, boy, I mean, that's persecution. The emperor tells me I need to go into the temple. I need to do a little worship in the temple. I need to throw a little incense. I'm giving you a historical factor, by the way. And I need to do a little of that. Otherwise, boy, he's going to take my. It's going to get hard living. So what's the big deal? I don't believe it, but I'm going to go do it anyway. Church, watch out. He ends this book by saying, Church, flee from idolatry. It'll remove your heart right from following God. And so that's the anointing. We'll get a little deeper into that here in a second. What does abiding mean? Okay, here's where I want us to try to get our arms around some of the things that John talked about here and hopefully encourage each other. What does abiding mean? So, it, as I said before, let me just give a little understanding of, our, of our, the makeup of our being, we um, were created in the image of God. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were cast from the garden. Remember, God promised, "If you take of the tree of the knowledge you give, you will die." You will die. Now they didn't physically die; they spiritually died. Their spirit was cut off from God. That open, walking, talking friendship of this unity and communion with God—it was cut off. And since then, Romans and the New Testament tells us: everybody who's born into this world, our spirit is dead to God. We are bound by our flesh, our mind, emotion, and our will. Our spirit has been completely covered by our soul. Our soul is all those things, heart, mind, spirit, I mean, mind, and emotion, and will. And uh, as I said earlier, is boy, when we uh, come alive, when we're saved, as the Holy Spirit comes in, the power of God, the presence of God comes inside our soul, and it awakens our spirit again to be in fellowship and communion with God. Now, that's the beginning, but as I grow in the fellowship, I need to let God take over. I need to listen to the Spirit of God rather than my own mind, my own emotion, my own will. And um, this is spiritual formation. This is discipleship. This is what it is to grow in fellowship and excitement with God. And folks, let me just tell you, I hope we have many testimonies in here, but there's nothing more profound and exciting than to know you've heard from God. Than to know that this is not just an academic reading of the Bible, but to know that The Spirit of God has spoken to me in line with His Word. Those two together. Right? It says the Father in John 4 is looking for those who will worship in spirit and truth. Right? There it is. That that combination. Abiding is dependent upon me. Right? Worshiping God. Following God with the truth of God and the Spirit of God in fellowship with my spirit. Okay? I'm throwing out a lot of theology. I'm throwing out a lot of verses. Um, this morning, but hopefully you'll hold. This, this is absolutely critical. It's something oftentimes um, many don't get. I heard last week somebody say, "I never heard that I have a spirit different from the Holy Spirit." That's a big deal. That's a big deal, and that my your spirit is the part of you that communes with God, and it is only awakened to Him when the Holy Spirit comes in but here's the deal if i don't nurture that in growth and discipleship my mind my emotions my feelings and my will decisions that i do in life will still can still be controlled by my flesh By me rather than God. And this is why Jesus says, deny yourself, come and follow me. In other words, I have to surrender my feelings, my emotions, all this to God, to his word. And let the spirit of God start to inform me. And this is what the scripture talks about being walking by the spirit. Being filled with the spirit. Coming alive in the spirit, right? And so uh, just a couple things to break this idea of abiding. Here's uh, Watchman Nee. Anybody heard of Watchman Nee, the spiritual man? Oh, a few hands go up. Awesome. This is a classic spiritual formation book. Uh, He was, this back in the 20s. He, just a a mighty man of God that, with the house church, persecuted prison, I think 20 or some years in China. Anyway, he says this, but if all day long we analyze ourselves, dissecting our thoughts and feelings, it will hinder us from losing ourselves in Christ. Unless a believer, this is so critical, folks, unless a believer is deeply taught by the Lord, he will not be able to know himself. Introspection and self consciousness are harmful to the spiritual life. Shot across the bow to everything you've heard out there in the world. To follow Jesus is just the opposite. Deny yourself. Stop introspecting and worrying and being focused on yourself. When you're taught of the Lord, and only when we're taught of the Lord, do we truly understand who we are. And are we truly informed by his truth of who we are, how loved we are, and whose we are? And so much of the world has crept into the church today that we're so bound up with self and self focused. Any wonder why? Where's the freedom? Where's the joy? Where's the abounding joy of Jesus and the power of God on people's lives today? It's because we're so wrapped up with focus on me. Everything about the Christian faith is always, always a focus on Jesus. If I want breakthrough in my personal life, I set my eyes on Jesus. I set my eyes on Jesus. I continue to go back to what he says about me. Not going down a rabbit hole of focusing on me, my past, my issues. That will do as Watchman Watchmen and any of the great Christians throughout history, you will find no one except a false teacher that left and went out who is going to tell you to focus and get all about yourself. That is worldly psychology. It will lead you away from Jesus every time. Now, I need you to test that. I need you to check it out, right? Here's what's important. This verse, it says, you have the anointing. You don't need a teacher. He's warning them to watch out for the deceivers. Those who are caught up in the world and who've left, who've gone out, right? And bought into the things of the world. Is, he's saying, you, you, you have the anointing. You have the Holy Spirit and you have the word of God. Now, what does that look like? And and this is so important, folks, for for what healthy church and interaction looks like. Is obviously we need teachers. Obviously we need preachers, those in the Bible. Matter of fact, James 3 says, not many of you be teachers or preachers. You are held to a stricter judgment, right? Sobering reality. But here's the key. Any, just like John, he's telling his people, he's the apostle John. He's saying, you don't need to, you have the anointing. You test the truth of God. You hear, you be taught of the Lord. Any preacher, any teacher who tries to make you dependent on them is a false teacher. I'm gonna say it again. This is what John's saying. Any teacher, any preacher Who makes you dependent on them and their knowledge of the word of God. And who does not encourage you. Go test it. Let the spirit of God teach you. right, And confirm what I'm teaching you. That's the Christian faith. That's the house of God where the spirit of God is is upon everyone. If you know Jesus, you have access to the spirit of God. You have the anointing. And the spirit with the word of God is to inform your soul and change how you think. Submit your feelings so your spirit will open to the fruits of the spirit. Change your decision makings that you're submitted to God. And we hold each other accountable. And so my role here in preaching is to stand before you and realize I'm accountable more than anyone in here before God for what I'm saying here this morning. And I will stand before him accountable for that. He doesn't grade on the curve. It's a holy thing. But at the same time, my, underneath all this, is the Spirit of God would take the truth of God and you would take it and you would wrestle with it. Is that right? And God, I need to hear from you. I don't need to hear from Steve. Except maybe a little bit. But only as a bridgeway to say, Lord, I need to hear from you. I need to know, I need you to teach me and to lead me. I need to know that you are speaking to me. I need to know this is your truth. I need to experience your power. I need you to inform my life. And folks, this is healthy church. And throughout history, little I don't need to name denominations or anything, I think you get it. Is that what is our tendency? Our tendency is to control the masses. Hey, you don't understand the Bible. Ah, You haven't been to seminary. You can't understand this. You need to come and you need to listen to me. Sound familiar? Bible says the priesthood of all believers. Every one of you is a priest. Every one of you, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have access to the throne of God. You don't need to go through me or anyone else. You go straight to the throne of God. And you have ears that are able to hear the voice of God. And you're to go and to take what the teachers and preachers say. And you're to test it. And that healthy church is not raising up some hierarchy of of, uh, uh, of spiritual leaders. That is is the ones who control everything. Spiritual healthy church is the priest of all believers. Some who have been called with the gift of teaching and preaching are to let that go. But the body is to test it. To take it and to be taught of the Lord. So each of us is encouraging one another. And If I say something it's like. Whoa I don't know bro. Steve what, about that verse. What would you say? Is man you bring it. You bring it. And folks now this informs how we talk to one another. Right is this is what's so important is that to make sure this is the accountability This is how the spirit of God moves is that I'm not just coming to you with my feelings, how I feel about something. You should always ask me, Steve, have you taken time in prayer? Has the word of God and the spirit of God informed your thinking on this? Now, here's the check. How many times do we hold so passionately emotional about something? Have you gone to the Lord? Have you tested it with the word of God? Or is that just your own feelings by your flesh? Now folks, this is deep water, right? This is how we're to encourage one another. This is where division comes in. The enemy works when we start leading with our own emotion, uninformed by the word of God, unkept by the spirit of God speaking to us. Does this make sense, gang? Abiding in Jesus is learning to be his. Learning to be loved by Him. Learning to be affirmed by Him. Learning to hear His voice speak to you. That's abiding in Christ. And I asked you this morning, are you learning to be His? Do you have the great confidence? You're His. You have the anointing. You have the Spirit of God in you. You've been born again. You're a new creation. Second Corinthians 5, Paul, when he talks about the new creation, he says, we do not regard anyone according to the flesh any longer. You're a new creation. We regard you as the precious children of God who've been redeemed. Who know God. So folks, I ask you just to toy with this because oftentimes, and John strong, he says, we love God if we love one another and we're to love God, right? Is we're caught up in, am I loving God enough? Am I, I can't love God unless I first learn how to be loved by him. Until I first learn that I'm his, I'm his child. He's got me in his hands. I'm his and I'm going to rest and and put his yoke on me and and I'm going to press into here the one who loves me and died for me and calls me into himself, right? Are you learning to be his? Do you have the great confidence you are his? He loves you. You're his child. He wants to speak to you. He wants to fellowship with you. Right? He wants to bring the, his life, the life of God, inside your soul. And this last, this last question that, Paul, that John brings up is, if we know him, Jesus, who is righteous, those who are born again, they practice righteous. We don't just try to do good. We try to do what Jesus did. Because we're abiding in him, we're walking with him. And doing and practicing righteousness, we're going to get to it in the next uh, section as well. But, um, folks, it is this idea of having confidence that we're his. Righteous. What is this idea of righteousness? So let me, righteousness. Remember, Second Corinthians 5 again tells us that for our sake, that God, right, put Jesus up who had no sin. He made him sin for our sake that we could become the righteousness of God. So we could enter into this fellowship. This abiding relationship. And so that we could actually be like him. Be righteous. What does that mean? Well number one. It means that me being sinful. Can be in fellowship with a holy perfect God. How does that happen? But let's go a little deeper into the change. What changes the righteousness? Jesus is righteous. What does it mean to practice righteousness? What did Jesus do? He did nothing. He didn't see the father do. His entire being was in submission and control. Of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit informed his everything. His emotions, his mind, his heart, right? Everything. His will, the decisions he made. He was in complete one. Why does John say in, uh, in the Gospel of John that we're to be one with him? This is just the completion of this abiding Folks, there's no freer place, there's no more glorious, joyful place than to be, right, moving towards recognizing we're His, where the Holy Spirit is taking over in my soul. I'm learning to let God inform my emotions. Lord knows we need that to take hold today in the church. No freer place, right, than to let the Holy Spirit is informing my mind, my thinking. I read the Bible, but it just become dead knowledge if the Holy Spirit doesn't take it alive in my life. And when it comes to decisions in my life, I'm submitted to God and the Holy Spirit comes and, and I'm free. I'm one with him. I know God's alive in me and I trust him. That is faith. That is being one with him. And so there's a lot more that we're going to say as we dive into this book, but I leave you with that. Are you learning to be His? Can you say over your time of knowing God that you're more and more confident you're His? And do you know something of abiding in Him or just acknowledging Jesus? Do you know something of that deep abiding where the Spirit of God is informing your mind, your emotion, and your will? Do you know when you're under attack and your emotions just go crazy and we all have this, right? And do you know how to take that and go to Jesus and have the Spirit of God come and bring His peace And his information into your mind. When it comes to decision making. Do you know how to wait upon the Lord? And let the spirit of God inform that. And so we'll get into some more of these dynamics. But I just want you to hold on some things. Learning to be his. That's abiding. His arms are wide open, like the prodigal. Beautiful picture of the fire. his arms are wide open. He wants you to come in, and he wants to right, do this new creation work, of greater, of greater freedom than we could ever imagine, right? But it is the work of faith to submit my thinking, my will, my soul, everything is involved there, to the Spirit of God, and knowing, you guys can come on up that the Spirit is informing me more than the world. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes. we all know all that well, right? In the pride of life, right? And so what I want to do just before we come to the table, folks, I want to pray a blessing over us, um, because the battle of faith is big right now. Um, Post-COVID just took it to all new level. And it is up to us to encourage each other. Where's your faith, brother and sister? Where's your hope in the word of God? Have you so quickly left what you heard from the beginning? Is the world pulling you that hard? What out there possibly can give you any encouragement for the future? Right? Come back, right? Hold on to the anchor of the soul that Hebrews talked about. Jesus is my anchor of my soul. Right? So Father, thank you for your word this morning and your truth. And Lord, may we be yours. Teach us how to encourage each other, Lord. Dive in with each other. Are we learning to truly be yours? Father, I pray that your spirit would move. Awaken us, God. Lord, I just pray. I pray especially a prayer over our young people, God. Lord, I pray for open hearts, Lord. Father, eyes to be able to see the lies as we read about the deception of the world, the deception of the false teachers and all the false things out there, Lord, that is not life, but is death. Lord, I pray for everyone in here, Lord, all of us. Strengthen our faith, God. Renew us, Lord. Holy Spirit, come alive. Renew our spirit. Awaken our soul, Lord. To your fresh and glorious promises, Lord. Eternal life that John talks about here is, is the now. It's experiencing it now. Yeah, Holy Spirit, teach us to listen to you, to be taught of you, to have a healthy church environment, Lord, where we engage each other with the word and the spirit, not just our emotions. That's where division comes in.